Right. Hello. Things. Things and stuff and stuff and things. Yeah. All right. Okay, I'm going. Good. So what's going on, everybody? It's just uh, yesterday was my daughter's sixth birthday. So it's uh, been a whole lot of, you know, Barbies and uh, <laughs> lol. And yeah, so it's like. Well, what you know, better way to. Lol. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there, there's new dolls in their wall. Their LOL dolls, and uh, she oh, loves. Of course, them. no. She loves them, and uh, so it's yes. So it's a good way to uh, kind of, um, <laughs> you know, talking about the album we're going to be talking about. It's a good way to kind cleanse of cleanse the palate back into the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, that's, I mean, the one thing we, um, my daughter uh, takes dance classes, and. Uh, so today we actually went and saw their performance of Nutcracker, which oh, okay. was fucking incredible. I mean, I really the costume designs. I mean, you know, the, we used to she used to be at a different school, and we went and saw one of their performances, and it was you know what you'd expect from like a bunch of you know six and five year old kids, yeah. not really putting out any effort, and you know, <laughs> pretty much screwing up nonstop. Right. This was. You know, it's kids from high school down, and it was I, I was mind blowing. I can't believe like I was trying to find where they screwed up, and I think I've noticed twice where it was just like you know a foot was off, you know, and a placement. But it was just I mean I love Tchaikovsky and I love you know that ballet. So yes, we're starting off this episode <laughs> Barbies and ballet talking about Barbies and ballet. So. Perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> That's fucking hostile right there. But it was it was it was a great performance and it put me in a very very good mood. Well, good. I mean, look, That's man. A, that is another thing cuz I've been in a horrible mindset like for like the last week. So listening to this album pretty much nonstop, it's been been, been pretty good for for that aspect some, of my some therapy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just like yeah, the, the, uh, I mean, let's face it. This album it's you know it's it's one, it's of, the one of the best metal that, albums yeah. that has oh. ever been made. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Good night, everybody. <laughs> you want to do it great now? A plus. Please give me a break. Like I mean, we already can gamble. I'd be willing to bet that no one is going to give this below a plus. I mean, yeah, I, how I, many pluses are going to be on the end of this fucking? It's thing? definitely yeah, a I plus, mean, plus, plus, plus. Yes. Yeah, well, I, so I think the way this is going to go, or at least this, there'll, there'll be two parts. This will be part one. I think what I was thinking is this will be more of like, we'd spend the first part just talking about you know, dancing. Yeah. Ballet. And, 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 and that's exactly how I thought it was going to go. And lols. <laughs> and, then, and then, I mean, once, you know, we'll end up at the eight, 1812 overture and the cannons will start going off. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, so perfect. That's that's for our Dio show because they actually <laughs> did play that. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, there aren't any, there aren't any words to it. What, it was, a, it, was it was like a um, it was just a musical solo or an instrumental. I, I, I think Dio just yeah. stood there like I couldn't see him. Like I, I seriously couldn't see him from where we were. It was at Merryweather, but then they opened for Maiden. Wait, I was at that show. Yeah, they they went into part of the 1812 Overture. It was like I think it started with a drum solo, and then they all kind of filled came in and. Do they borrow ACDC's cannons or something? For that, I, I don't think there were cannons, but <laughs> it wasn't quite as dramatic. There was, shout, there could have been dancing shout. too. <laughs> that sounds like an Ingve thing more than a, a, a DM yeah, thing. Yeah, he's like well, the classic, yeah, you know, classical guitar guy. But, yeah, they, they they dwell in the same area of metal cheese. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that, that is true. Ingve had an album with a dragon on the front. So yes, he did. I own that record. <laughs> Just yeah. one? Well, at least one that I'm aware <laughs> yeah. of. There could be yes. more, but I only know of one. <laughs> Owned that record, I should say. Not own that record. What was it, like Rising Power or something like that? Rising Force. Rising Force, I think. Yeah. 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 He was on a should, cliff. A should we do uh, a breaking news thing for, for the Tally Ho last night? Breaking news happening right now. Do we have the uh, yeah, TV sound? Yeah. Do we have <laughs> oh, I have you that. Yeah, hold on. You should have it. Yes, I do. Hold on. I don't, although I don't really have a lot of new info other than what I sent to uh, Eric. I don't know if you heard, Tim. No. Or Keith. I, I don't didn't. know what you're going to say. Yeah, you I son no of a bitch. Oh, oh man. Where did the article go? 
Oh, well. Oh. Hold on. It was I thought I had it saved in my... Uh, in my uh, oh, I can go to the Telegram. Yeah, Link. I thought I had the, the news news thing saved in my jingle palette, but apparently I don't. <laughs> what the fuck is a jingle palette? <laughs> it comes with the wall dolls. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Half of Pantera would be rolling in their graves, or is, or are. There it is. Yeah, they would. Somewhere in time, news. You hear it. First. First. You well, you probably didn't hear it here first, because this is as <laughs> we're recording it. This happened, what, last, last night, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the 18th. Right here, right down the road from me at Tally Ho Theater. In Leesburg, Virginia. Eric and I have been there several times to see bands. We've performed uh, there. We did play there, actually. You're right. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Chocolate Chalfant. I don't know how to say his name. I should have... I should have practiced that first, but the kicks drummer, he uh, collapsed on stage last night. Oh. Had a heart attack, apparently, they said. And uh, some people said there was CPR that was done. Um, as far as so I know, he's yeah, still there, alive. There was, a, there was a statement from kicks today. Obviously, they postponed. To, there was a, It was a two-night stint or whatever you want to call it. But they postponed, obviously, tonight's gig. Um, but the state in the statement, it said that they, they're not, still not sure if it was a heart attack or not. Huh. So. He's doing. He's going through all sorts of tests, and you know they're doing some stuff with his heart just to make sure he's okay. But well, if there was CPR happening, his heart stopped. Yeah, they did say that his heart did stop. So, so oh. it's often due to a heart attack, but it doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he has had a heart attack before. Oh, has he? Stents oh, well. placed. Yeah. One of it's in the family. When was, Brad Divins also suffered from heart, must have been that yeah. band. <laughs> rocking too hard they're cursed yeah so um you know yeah we wish him well hopefully hope, hope he's doing yeah. okay yeah that's how yeah. nick menza passed away was yeah performing uh, drumming is hard and then as drumming you get is, older yeah it's very physical oh. yeah well and it, apparently it happened right after his drum solo too which is a good reason to stop doing drum solos. Yes. Across the board. <laughs> Nobody really wanted to watch it anyway, probably. And now. <laughs> well, I think they had like two more songs and that was it. So oh. the show was basically over. The, so so the everyone got their, they pretty much got their money's worth is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, they did. I mean, they, look, and our friend Chris Stichiara from um, Eyes of the Nile and Dr. Fu and uh, he's in a band with the singer from Eyes of the Nile, uh, who's also been on this on this podcast yeah uh, navid uh sorrow and the spire and they actually opened the show last night that's what so, i thought yeah did yeah, american band. jet set play as well yes yeah i think so I, their drummer is an old friend of mine there yeah there were two bands or yeah, three sorrow bands, and spire open right or, they, they, yeah, they, yeah, actual... open. they had like a 30 minute set i think okay yeah they were they were they're good band. yeah they, they're pretty good yeah yeah i like their stuff so the statement from Kicks is uh, Kicks drummer Jimmy Shelfont is awake, alert, resting comfortably, and in good spirits in the hospital after collapsing toward the end of our performance at Tally Hill Theater in Leesburg. Uh, while clearly a cardiac event is, it is while it was clearly a cardiac cardiac event, it is unknown at this time whether or not Jimmy actually suffered a heart attack. Huh. Be undergoing a series of tests to determine exactly what in fact occurred. The second scheduled performance has been postponed, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Kicks appreciates the outpouring of love and concern for Jimmy and thanks everyone for their courteous understanding in this matter. So well, That sucks. Yeah, yeah but so I'm glad he's not, you know, he's, he's doing all right because that's scary shit. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Nick Menza was, he died that way, so. That's how he died. Yeah. What's, uh, isn't that how Vinnie Paul died as well? He had an enlarged heart. He died in his sleep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But also a heart situation. Spinal tab drummers. It's a dangerous <laughs> all right, job. All right, all right, all right. Let's let's. We are talking about people's actual deaths. Let's not get into the comedy bits. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Be, be a little respectful here, guys. Well, go fuck yourself. <laughs> wow. But no, hey, really. it was a good segue into what we're talking about. With well, there was. Did so. you did you guys hear the Dave Mustaine news? There was no, more Dave Mustaine uh, news. That the stuff with him and with him and Hatfield. Yeah, yeah, the Hatfield right. thing. No, yeah, what? You, he he claims 
Yeah, he claims that a while back, I'm not sure when, he didn't give a timetable, but he yeah. said that there was a project in the works with Hetfield. Yeah. And he said that Hetfield came to him and said, our last three projects bombed and it'd be great to work with you again. Which that I'm is like, such fucking bullshit. Yeah. So then he <laughs> said, basically what happened was the project fell apart because they got into this whole thing with royalties. And he, yeah. like, basically, you know, Mustaine said, I'm not doing anything with you until you clear up that bullshit with... No the Kill leather. Em All stuff and No Life to Leather, where Lars says he has co-writing credits on these songs when he definitely does not. And Hetfield said, well, his recollection of that is different than yours. And Mustaine's like, well, you know, whatever. There's two sides to every story. And Mustaine said that was it. This is all from Mustaine, of course. So yeah, of course. Grain of salt. Grain of, big grain <laughs> of salt. But he claims that there was a project in the works that fell through because of past issues with... Well, we could and- we could probably figure out the timeline if that's because if that's the light, no life to leather reissue thing was like what twenty nineteen or something. Like it that was or- I think it was twenty fourteen was I think or fifteen when that came out. Oh, I didn't, really? I, I didn't even know there the was thing, one. Well, was was, I don't think it was a, it was a cassette. Was it really, oh, that's right, it was a cassette. I have it over uh, here. It is. But so, I think they they couldn't release everything that they wanted to because of Mustaine's issues. Yeah. If you're on YouTube, this is the <laughs> this is the reissue of No Life to Leather. <laughs> This is it. That's okay. cool. Yeah. This should have been a box set. It should have been a big box set with all kinds of goodies, but because of royalties, we got a cassette. Mm. So anyway. Um, Which most people don't have a cassette player these days. So Yeah. yeah. And the th- I think if if there were three things that like bombed, it could have been um, Lulu. <laughs> and, Maybe the uh, Orion th- Fest. Th- th- yeah. Through the Never and, and the Orion Fest would be the three things I can think of in recent memory that would be considered "Quote unquote." Bombs. Well, Lulu was the last thing before Hardwired, so that. Would oh, be- so these aren't. He wasn't talking about collaborations with himself. No. He's saying Metallica's collaborations with. Yeah, with he was saying there was going to be a collaboration between Hetfield and Mustaine. You know, Hetfield right? Was but he was, but he was making said, reference. Yeah, Mustaine said Hetfield told him. Yeah. That there were three projects that their their last three projects, but okay. meaning Metallica's last okay. three projects. So it'd be pre. Hardwired. Hardwired anyway. What yeah. is it, who Was anybody clamoring for this anyway? Like, does it? No. I don't think. Well, I guess the commenters on Facebook were. <laughs> the, uh, what? The, really? The, the, the Mustaine yeah. wrote them all guys were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but if well, you mean everyone. That's if everyone. Mus- <laughs> if Mustaine's um, lackeys are so uh, proud of him, why would they want him to lower himself to the yeah. standards of Hetfield? Good question. Yeah, that was a good question. I don't know. This is all utter bullshit. Anyway, so yeah, it's true. I, I would we're speculating like on bullshit. If, yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'd be curious for sure. Oh yeah. yeah, of course I would listen to it. Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I wouldn't. exactly. Fuck that guy. Okay. <laughs> Fuck that motherfucker. I haven't if listened it was to album, I'm singing, gonna... you know, with like some mm, Mustang nah. solos. Nah. I think there's just that, yeah I, I, yeah I mean please tell me if they were going to be working together that Mustaine wouldn't do any vocals I, like you know <laughs> who knows his ego is so out of control he might be like let's 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 just trade off vocals man well when we when we get into the Pantera you do I've the got, harmony <laughs> yeah there's some good stuff that I've that I've pulled that actually Pantera talks about Mustaine and Megadeth a little bit so we got some stuff because they toured with them uh, yeah after this after Vulgar Display came out so well on that. They toured that, before, uh, didn't they, too? On the live recording, they, he talks shit about Mustaine, too. That's what I was going to say. You're talking about the Zax one? Because mm-hmm. he says this is about a band that starts with M and it's not Metallica. It's oh, yeah. he, says, he says that before Walk. Yeah. And I was like, it's got to be Megadeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. That okay, was an well, explosive. Live maybe show. it's Motley Crue. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, we thought about that later, but we were pretty sure he was yeah, talking about yeah. Megadeth. Based on the timing and <clears throat> yeah, well let's <clears throat> let's let's get into it. We'll, we'll start the episode and we can continue that conversation. Brush your teeth with this. You know we could take the makeup off. I'll bet you we could take the makeup off and it wouldn't make any difference. You're crazy. We're gonna take the makeup off. You're nuts. Mellifluous. What about the Alice in Chains action figures? Yeah, I've been making some of me for the chicks. 
just a taste of what's going to happen to the rest of your stinking planet. Your civilization is obsolete, by my word. Yeah, we can take off the makeup. I mean, basically, when we started, we started as a band. We started to play rock and roll, and that's what we could do. Without the makeup, I think you're not. I think that's good. Why well, I want a shot to you anyway? There is similitude. Freaky, quick. Will you try to take my phone? <laughs> Let me see your cigarette lighter. All right, ramblers, let's get rambling. Welcome back to Somewhere in Time Podcast, everybody. Somewhereintimepodcast.com. It's where you find us online. Uh, all of our episodes are streaming there. Uh, links to our social media. Links to YouTube. Uh, so, yeah. Check us out there. Somewhereintimepodcast.com. Uh, I'm Eric. We've got Tim here. Yo. Keith is here. Good evening. And Joe is here. Hey, hey, Keith, I don't really want you to go fuck yourself. For the record. <laughs> I thought we would, may, but maybe we, we could do that together. <laughs> oh, boy. Weird already. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. So, let's see here. We got through, went through Barbies, ballet, and you know, <laughs> sexuality. Uh, well, you know. Panther! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so if you haven't figured it out by now, this episode we're going to be talking about Vulgar Display of Power by Pantera. This will be a uh, the first of two episodes uh, dedicated to this album. Um, so let's get into it. Let's play a little bit of this album. I mean, we could just pick a song, right? I mean, yeah, that's really fucking amazing. We're gonna, we should hear every single one of these. So just start at the we're beginning. We're going to eventually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that out there we've got a lot to talk about but so pantera is philip anselmo on vocals diamond daryl if you look at the liner notes oh yes yeah Before he <laughs> he was he wasn't dime he, he didn't, he, he, yes he hadn't tried marijuana yet. yeah that's i'm sure <laughs> uh yeah daryl abbott on guitars um rex brown on bass and vince paul finney paul abbott on drums and this album was produced course a terry date i think he did everything actually produced engineer mix all that good stuff because mm. probably he, uh, produced in, and engineered and mixed by terry date and vinnie paul oh, there you go mm -hmm. according yeah. to the cd <clears throat> yes uh, yeah that was there's a lot that went into this album and and they were i know that you know just reading articles and looking at uh watching different youtube things about the making of this album they were very very uh, meticulous about their their approach here they kind of knew what they wanted so um but yeah where do you guys want to start i mean there's so much to cover here so like um uh production maybe album cover we can do album cover <clears throat> there's, there's there's stories about it which yeah can, oh yeah yeah i mean it's a it's better than Anthrax's. Yes, <laughs> by, a, by a mile. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's a horrible drawing, and this is a legitimate guy that yeah. got punched a, a lot of times. He didn't that's, really. Though. That's false. That's that false. false. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's well, a myth. Yeah. That was a hoax. That's, that was a hoax. Right? So okay. I actually have a couple. So, of yeah. Well, about then this. you guys tell me the story because uh, I. Well, here I'll let I'll let uh, the actual guy who. Photo photographed it to tell you this. The man on the cover was paid ten dollars a punch and was mm -hmm. hit in the face thirty times to get the right pick. Thirty-one times. <laughs> thirty-one times. That's Vince. According to Vinnie Paul, the man on the cover of Vulgar Display of Power was paid ten dollars a punch 
and he's hit in the and face this is 31 Rex. times. This is uh, one of the most widely disputed. 32 times. 32. That's right. Yeah, the guy, he got hit a bunch. Uh, I've heard the stories, and this is the people have asked me many, many times, but that's not what happened. <laughs> it was it was a professional photo shoot. He was pushed quite hard, actually, because we I really wanted it to look physical. So he was pushed really hard, you know, each and every time, but he was never punched. Yeah. So I think the band members played into that myth a little bit. For sure. It sounds much cooler. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We knocked the fuck out of this guy. Yeah, right. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, the album cover definitely represents the album really well. I mean, it's, you know, it's a fucking punch to the face. Photographer's name was Brad, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Geese or Geese? 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 G-U-I-C-E? Yep. Yeah, hmm. that, that's Geis. who he was talking there. And he was a yeah. pastor, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if he was then, but he is now. He is now, yeah. yeah. And it was um, supposed to be, well, he, he shot the photo in color, and he it was shot on film, of course, back then, and he got the prints back, and he's like, holy shit, this is like just gorgeous. These colors are amazing. And he's like, I'm so proud of this, you know, and then he gets the album <laughs> and it's like black, white. black and white and like pixelated. He's like, oh, what, what? did they do? Yeah, they ruined it. But I I think it's it's probably better this way, though. It's, you know, it's it looks more tough, I guess. It, yes, kind of. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this, and the previous well, album cover was, which I think he also did. The he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Um, he did. That was also black and white. So he's kind of got a. Or, I, mean, I don't know if it's black and white. It's like sepia, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's um, it, it kind of follows along there. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say this album cover, you know, really, you know, they say, you know, <laughs> don't judge a book by its cover. Well, you could definitely judge this album <laughs> from this album cover. Yep. Yeah. It, it, they, yeah. They really nailed what they should have had on the phone. There's a little bit more I have from Vince and Terry Date talking about the album cover, so I'll play that here, too. We wanted it to be a street, like a street fight. I remember Dime taking a picture of a face and putting it on his dad's copy machine and taking the face as it was copying and moving it so it blurred across like like the cover does. First thing they brought us were all these pictures of these boxers biting each other. It's like, no. Oh, okay. That's not what we're looking for. That's not what vulgar display of power is. It's yeah. some guy getting jacked on the street. Yeah. That was that was mostly Vince Paul and uh, Terry Date was the one talking about um, Dime putting the thing on the copier. But Yeah. Yeah, it's impactful, and it uh, like you said, yeah, no said, pun intended. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the album title, which so vulgar display. I always thought, you know, the, the the first Pantera home video. There's a bunch of interviews and stuff, and there's a moment where it feels like I think it's in our one of our intro or outro or something, but he goes, "It's a vulgar display of power," is what it is. Yeah, I always thought that was him coming up with that on the fly, but it's actually from The Exorcist. Yeah. The way he says it, it sounds so ad-libbed. Well, there's so... I'm going to... Yeah. I'm going to reference this magazine a lot. This came with... This year I got um, the... Revolver released a uh, 30th anniversary of the album, and this magazine came with it, and it's full of, like, um, just, you know... Is that the picture from the the back of the CD? uh, The the cover? I don't think so. I think it's a little bit different. The back... The one on the back is a little different. I think it's the same photo shoot. Okay. Because Phil's like pointing. He's wearing the, he's wearing the mind over four. Yeah, this is yeah, and he's pointing the, down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So same photo shoot, but anyway, there's a lot that um, I'm gonna re- well, not a lot. There's a few things I want to reference from this magazine, but um, yeah, and I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. Phil was saying uh, that he did kind of that kind of came to him in that interview. But then he realized later, he's like, oh, shit, that was subconsciously. I took that from The Exorcist. So he, he, he just had forgotten, but he did think it was off the top of his head. So Makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you want to talk about production. I mean, that's about as perfect a sounding album as you're going to get. I mean, it's, For yeah. that year, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, a I think, album. I think the next album sounds a little better, but this oh, one, I, it's not like this one's bad by any means it sounds great i mean it blows yeah. away the production on uh cowboys, cowboys yeah 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 
I don't know. That sounded pretty good too. But I mean, it's, they got they kept getting better. They kind of kept getting better. The sound. I don't know. Maybe um, what's the one after Far Far Beyond Driven? Um, Southern Train. Southern Train. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's. Oh, we're kind of cut, we're really splitting hairs in that one. Yeah, they all sound good. Yeah. All yeah, the, but know, there's like the Terry Day ones. There's a lot of like technical pieces, and and I'll, I'll play a couple clips about this too. But like, just how like precise they wanted to get with this, like the bass drum sound and the guitar tone and all that stuff. It's yeah, you can tell like they put a lot into this. So, because um, I mean, to this day, it sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean that bass drum sound. I know that you know Metallica had Black Album, and that that was pretty. Um, Even Justice had the the poppy, yeah, true, you know, snappy bass drum sound. Well, I think the bass guitar sounds better on the subsequent albums. I think he, he figured out his sound a little better, or they they figured it out to kind of cut through a little more. There's like a little distortion, maybe. That would be my only thing that doesn't sound perfect on this. Yeah, on this mix. Yeah. Well, here, I'll play a little bit of, um, this is Terry Date talking about, actually, I think it's the band and Terry Date talking about the studio. I think. Vulgar Display of Power oh, was the most important record of our career. We had just played 338 days on the Cowboys run and went directly into the studio. I think we may not have had three weeks off. So we were red freaking hot. We worked with the, the, one of the best record producers I've ever worked with, Terry Day. They did things on their own terms. They didn't care about what major labels or what other people were telling them to do. They did what they wanted to do, how they wanted to do it. The work ethic was, was pretty intense. Our hours were 12, 13, 14, maybe longer. I remember a lot of sunrises on that record. Signified our first true album of what was to come. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that Phil's slow voice. mode there? I know, he's, he sounds so... <laughs> he's, he's slowly turning into Thanos, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, well, I mean, we're still in production. There's a couple more clips I want to play about the... I was talking about Dime and his, like, how precise he wanted to get. So here's Terry Date talking about Dime that. was a perfectionist. Tone was a, was a, a big deal. But the t- uh, tone, uh, his, his ability to hear minute things and sounds was pretty incredible. Um, we would many times make mixes where I would raise a fader the width of one pencil uh, mark. You know, just a minute amount because he could hear it a little louder. And I I was thinking that nobody could hear this, but then I'd play it back for him with the different versions. And he he got it right every time. Um, he he knew exactly what he wanted to hear. It's funny because I like. Dime is my favorite guitar player. I've said that many times on this, this show, but I do think his guitar tone is it's it's good but it's weird like it doesn't sound like anyone you can tell when yeah. it's a dime guitar uh, tone because it's like absolutely it's a, it's a little bit hot there's a little hollowness to it like it's not the same like bass heavy you know headfield type distortion yeah um i don't know it's you know joe you were saying we're kind of like nitpicky it's it is kind of nitpicky of me to say this but it's you know it's not my favorite tone ever, but he's still my favorite guitar player, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Aren't their tunings a bit yeah, odd? Uh, oh, I was yeah. Gonna, yeah, I was going to try to learn some of... I was, I was actually going to try to learn all the songs, and then um, then I, I gave up because their, their tuning is... It's like in between like normal, standard... I forget what the number is. Uh, frequency number, like negative 440 or whatever they said in that <laughs> article I sent you guys. But uh, yeah, it's it's slightly flat compared to what we would consider standard tuning, but it's not quite a half step down. Um, it gives them their own like little spot, I guess, in, in your yeah. ear that, that you kind of know it's Pantera subconsciously. Yeah, we'll, 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 even. Get, we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about the tracks because there's a clip I want to play about uh, this producer guy Rick Beato, he's on uh, yeah. YouTube. I think you've seen some of the stuff, yeah. Oh yeah, 
he covers walk and he, he talks a little bit about that. Okay, cool, like, yeah. Well, they did that on the previous <laughs> album too. If you try, if you've ever tried to yep. learn anything off of Cowboys from Hell, it just sounds a little wrong unless you tune right to the album. <laughs> yep. Yep. I remember learning domination and that was like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Like, I can't I'm tuned this. right. <laughs> Why is so it if not- you're a, a guitar player and a bass player, do you have to be in the same room together to get the tuning correct? Because you're not pretty you much just standard. Have to, I mean, yeah, you have to like, tune to the album, but but, but I mean, like, if you were in the band, if you're in Pantera mm-hmm. and Diamond Rex are in the same, is that how you would say, right, well, we got to tune? You're yeah, not going to say, I, we'll do E. I don't know what they did tuning. in the room. I don't know how, like, yeah, like, let's go to E and then I'm going to knock it down slightly yeah. and then you tune to me. Like, I guess that's the only way they could do it. It's not it like they to be. I mean, I'm sure now you could program a tuner to whatever yeah. you want. But yeah. But back then, there's no way you had no. that technology. Yeah, the I mean, boss tuner pedal is, is what yeah. you went with. Knowing Dime, he just one day just like this is the way I'm going to tune now, oh, <laughs> and yeah. it just stuck. I don't know if that yeah. was did they did they had that tuning live or was that? Uh, I'm sure they did. Just an album. I, I haven't checked, but I'm, I, I doubt they. Yeah, how would, yeah. There's no way they didn't. You know, if you do that if, for your song, you're going to do that. Yeah, for every single time you perform it. Mm. I mean, something like Metallica tunes down a little, like half a step. Don't they yeah, like they're, do not have stuff. They're, live? Yeah, they're, yeah, live. They're live. live yeah. yeah, all their, so just for Headfield's vocals, yeah. so they sound you know in tune with the guitars. But well, and the albums until uh, Death Magnetic. Yeah. So everything from well load, load to reload. Death yeah, so it's only two albums. No, three. Well, I don't know what Saint Anger. Was well, Saint Anger's like C sharp. It's all dropped. Yeah, yeah. It's some fucked up. <laughs> that album's not canon, so we don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's canon. There's no bass player. Well, there is a bass player, but we don't talk about that. He's not canon <laughs> on that album. as a bass player. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. Well, let's see. There's some other clips here I can play. Um, construction of the song. This is Terry Day talking about that. The dime would have riffs, or Vinny would have a drum pattern, or Rex would have something. And, and they would come in with a basic idea and we would sit and we'd work on that uh, starting from the beginning of the song. And these are the days of tape. So we would put on a reel of tape and we'd record an intro to a song and until we were happy with it as an, in a demo stage. And then we would punch in the next section of the song until we were happy with it. And we would continue through the arrangement of the song, writing as we went. And when we had it, what we thought was right in a demo phase like that, just punching through it, rough editing all the way through it, then we would make a rough mix and we'd go drive around with it. That was a big thing for them, wasn't it? The, the car test. Oh, yeah. They have to take it out of the car. and make we, sure. we should have done that when we, were, when we did the instinct demo. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a good idea. Because <laughs> it was like, whoa, the bass on this thing. Yeah. And not the bass guitar, just all no, bass. Just, no, the just all the low end. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. When you're not listening to the fancy speakers, it really <laughs> yeah. comes through. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to stay too much on the, the production. I kind of want to talk about, like, just leading up to this album. Like, there was so much anticipation to this album. Mm-hmm. I mean... We should probably talk about the Jack, or the Zacks, whatever you want to call it, the Zacks yeah, show we saw. Zacks, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, God, that was what, like maybe two weeks before the album came out, or maybe maybe up so. about month. that. Yeah, um, probably yeah, because it was freezing cold out. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he talks about the Super Bowl, and so the album came out February twenty fifth. I think the show was in January, very end of January. Yeah, exactly. it, was, it was like a week before the Super Bowl because he's talking about on the on the on the on the bootleg. He's like, "Who thinks going to win the Super Bowl?" And he's like, "Oh, you Redskins are going to win." Because it was, you know, it was... What do you say, like, by 40 points or something? Yeah, they're going to crush them. Like, the Bills don't have a chance. And they did. (laughs) Yeah, they did. They did, yes. (laughs) 37-24 was the final. Oh, and those 24 points were garbage time points. Yeah, that was garbage time. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent too much on that. But that was the last great game for the Reds. The Commanders. Yes, we're still we're still sitting here waiting. I know, <laughs> just like any day now. <laughs> thirty plus years ago, it's been thirty years. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we so we went to that concert. Not, I mean, 
We were hoping to hear some new stuff, but we had no idea. We had no idea. I mean, this oh was God. this was pre internet. This was pre YouTube. Anything like that? Mm-hmm. We had yeah. Fucking Zach's. Like was it yeah, Zach's? Zach's. Hole in the wall. Yeah, right? yeah. A shithole. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, was maybe five hundred seater. Maybe I don't even know. I don't know if it's that many. In Springfield, Virginia. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then became Jacks. Yeah, formerly the Copa, and then what, Zach's, and then Jack's, and then... I think Zach's, Zach's, Zach's 2. two. Zach's 2, oh yeah. I think it's Jack's. an Indian restaurant now, isn't it? Yeah, it's not Something a Something like that, anymore. yeah. Anyway, yeah, so we, like, the the set list was they opened with uh, Heresy, and, and well, then immediately... Yeah. Oh, wait, they, you got, I forgot you got the set list, because you have the recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, second song, he's like, we had a new album coming out, it's called Mouth for War. It's like holy shit! Yeah, song's fucking awesome. <laughs> and then they played fucking hostile. Like, yeah. oh my yeah. god, what? <laughs> I mean, we got to hear fucking hostile before the album even came out. We got to hear the they whole play- first side of the, the, the album. Yeah, yeah the, more the than thing that half the album. Yeah, the thing that dropped uh, our jaws was this love. Oh yeah, oh, we're just I- like, oh what. Yeah, exactly. He's like, like, this song is fucking slow and heavy. <laughs> well, he wasn't lying. Nope. No. I mean, I, I, I can try to play a little bit of this. I don't know how well it's going to come it's, off. But it's rough. It is rough. I tried to clean up a little bit, but... Do you want to... Should I share why it sounds rough? Oh, yeah. Tell us why, Joe. Well, before the days of cell phone recording, you had to... It, but before that, bands gave up on on things not being recorded, and, and it was illegal. It's a big deal. I guess totally illegal, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on this. But <laughs> they were I pretty had a, strict at Zach's, actually. It was a, yeah, it was a little. Um, I don't even. I don't think it was a micro cassette. I think it was a regular cassette recorder. Yeah, but sure. it was it was pretty small. It just had a you know the, it was barely bigger than the cassette itself with a little shitty speaker and record button on there, and I had to. Uh, you know, you got patted down in a place like that. So I had to figure out where I was going to put this tape or this recorder. So I found it. I could nestle it right under my my ball sack <laughs> in my jeans. <laughs> wow. So you got a goes. ball sack bootleg <laughs> right here. Up his ass. Good, good thing I didn't fart. That's what I can do I, Give it to my ass. <laughs> that hunk of junk up his ass. Give it to a man. Wanaki. Wanaki. <laughs> Give me the watch. He got this. He got this in there. Pass away. <laughs> anyway, well, here's, here's the ball sack recording. Anyway, let me see if I can play a little bit of the end from this recording. I don't know how well it comes off, but let's see. I mean, yeah, you can hear the guitar. (laughs) Hearing that, though, the first time ever live. Holy shit. I mean, what? I listened to, you guys probably did too, I listened to that bootleg enough that when the album came out, I yes. was like, I was already familiar with half the album. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. And I was like, oh, that, oh that's what it's supposed to sound like. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so they played half of the, of the first, they, they played the first six songs off of the, the two albums. Which is yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's all you needed. I mean, they could have done more, I guess. Could have done Hollow. That was like on a Tuesday night or something. Like, like a Thursday. I'm so I think tired. Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Thursday. So fucking tired the next day. Yeah. yeah was, just just to see a band. And, and it's not like they. Well, this was the band like in high school that we were like, these guys are the fucking next Metallica or whatever. Yeah. And to see them before they broke huge. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we, it's amazing. It's it's insane. It's still one of the best. And Wrathchild America was at that show. I don't think they performed, but no, they were they there. Were hanging out. Like yeah. Shannon was there because Shannon got. His, I think Shannon got his head shaved on that at that yeah. show. It was on the bootleg. You hear someone yeah. getting their head shaved. I assume it's Shannon. Got to be. So, yeah, yes, yeah. it's, it's amazing. But yeah, I mean, like to your point, Joe. Like this was the band. You know, when you think about it, Metallica had the Black Album, but after that, from you know, Joe. Keith and I were all in high school from 90 to 94, right? So in that time span, we got three fucking really good Pantera albums, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And that's, they were the band. Like, they, that, yeah. when this came out, they shot up into my top five, top three bands, really. They were, it was Metallica and then Pantera. That was pretty much it. Like, yeah. I mean, know? yeah, this was, from 92 to 96, that was like, our favorite music coming out was from Pantera because there was nothing from Metallica coming out. No. Right. Yeah. And it's exactly. like this gap where it's like, well, Pantera's putting out the best music right now because who else is doing it? The yeah, Maiden was on a way no. down. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, early 90 Maiden is, yeah. No. It's not a good time frame of that. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't. My, t- Testament was, was pooping out by then. Um, yeah, there wasn't a lot. There was Wrathchild and Souls at, slash Souls at Zero and, and Pantera, yeah. and then Clutch came along. We kind of yeah, yeah, picked things up a little. A little I, we had a few years of Caius, but yeah, Thrash. There was nothing. But you, you guys are talking about this. I mean, that's the whole thing for me. Like I saw, like when you know, under Cowboys, I saw you know the there were a few videos uh, from that album, and I liked it, but I you know uh, didn't go out and get the album. My brother eventually got Cowboys, but. When this one got released, and then all of a sudden, you know, the videos start popping up on Headbangers Ball, it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for those of you that are listening to this, I'm standing there awestruck and like just staring. Like, it was just like, what the fuck is this? Jesus Christ. And I mean, seriously, like my brother also, he, he you know, he got the Pantera collection. So, you know. Yeah. After this, all the all the metalhead, all my metalhead friends in high school were like coming to me, telling me about Pantera. I was like, "Fuck you, man! I told you about Cowboys." Yeah, I think to quote Phil, "I told you, motherfuckers." <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think this clip, if it's the right one, talks a little bit about you know Rex mentioned. I think it's in this. Rex mentioned there was that gap where it was like. Metallica's Black Album came out, and they looked at that as, like, an opportunity. Like, they're not putting out heavy stuff. Like, I mean, it's still heavy, but it's not, like, their old stuff. So this is an opportunity for us to kind of take that, take the reins, you know what I mean? Yeah. See if this is the right one. They really were the ones that were really kind of the bridge that's Brian that gave heavy that. metal in existence. Because when that band was huge in the mid-'90s, a lot of people thought metal was dead. We just slipped through a crack. You know, Metallica just had the Black Album, which I love. We all do. And then you had Nirvana around that time. We are never influenced by any of that kind of stuff. We had our own sound and what we were doing. Vulgar Display Power is my favorite Pantera record. Carrie King. To me, it's their Rain and Blood. That's one of those records that really starts to separate from the pack. That was Mustaine. Mustaine. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> oh, I, he wrote it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, you gotta say it. <laughs> kind of weird that Kerry King references his own material as, you know. Yeah, yeah it's not weird. That was their rain and blood because rain yeah, and like blood is the like, metal album. It's not weird. Like, and it's, it's not weird that he's great. He's actual truly friends with Tim Stain, is it? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I don't know if he's... No, there was an interview with him where he's like... Well, Mustaine says they're buddies in the book. Yeah, I don't think they're that close. That close. Yeah. I, I can't I just, imagine anybody being friends with that guy. Mustaine like or Kerry King? Well, either one. They both seem both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both are very arrogant motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really arrogant thing to say. Damn. Uh, yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> Kerry King. Yeah. The other thing about this album is this is like the first album where Phil's vocals are just fucking hardcore. Like, it's not, you know, you don't have any of the streaming. There's no shattered. There's no right. message of no, blood. There's no, there's no, no more Halford on this one at all. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Good. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. That's what makes it so so great, you know. I can't believe some of the screaming notes that he can hit on this because he kind of, I would say, after this album, there's not really that level of um, actual singing going on, or or, you know what I mean, like the range. Yeah, 
Yeah. Kind of yeah. More into a growl after this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On all his vocals. Probably a lot of it had to do with the fact that he, I don't think he could hit those notes very well. Yeah. <laughs> although, although on their um, 101 live, 101 proof live album, mm-hmm. um, he still hits the notes pretty fucking good on that. But I'm, I'm sure he couldn't do that every night. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, well, positive. Like you hear his singing now. It's nowhere <laughs> near this. Well, that's what I'm worried about with this whole, uh, whatever you want to call it, reunion slash celebration of Pantera they're doing. It's like yeah. everything's going to be tuned down like two steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope they don't try to play Cemetery Gates. Mm. <laughs> if they do, they'll cut it off near the end, probably. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. he's going to do those vocals. Just going to something. Just do a bunch of medleys, right? Yeah, right. There was a few interviews I saw where they were saying that his vocal style on this kind of ushered in that that later 90s, early 2000s kind of Lamb of God style of vocal. Well, this like, album? I don't, yeah. Really? Nah, I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't that. really, because he's, he's still hitting notes, like you said. He's still, he's screaming, but it's, things are in key and there's- And you can understand there's some Yeah, and there's yeah. some <laughs> melody still, so I- Oh, yeah. Like the end of this love before the heavy part? Where, does yeah. he say hope at the end? Hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah right? That, like some of those notes he's he's um, he's singing there, like, but screaming at the same time. Yeah. You know, I don't know how anybody could do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's more akin to like, it's not a thrash band, but the vocals are a little more of a thrash style where there's, there's still some melody happening and it's not just like one note. There's, yeah. you know, he's going up and down and he has a bit of a range and it's, it's not, <laughs> what name of God does? No. <laughs> and there's no one like that these days, really, either. Like, I mean, Corey Taylor is pretty much the closest I could think of that's a, a vocalist like that now. Yeah. You know? But he, yeah. he has more of a, he does a scream and then he has his, you it's know, clean. his pretty voice. Yeah. 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 Like this, this album is, uh, Phil's singing on this, the, um, just the screaming that with, you know, with the range is, yeah. I can't think of really any other album like that. Mm-mm. No, I mean, and I'm trying to look back, like trying to think of other vocalists at the time, even that were. I mean, Brad Divins maybe a little bit, a little bit. He, he wasn't so much screaming usually. He just kind of had a fry going on, yeah. you know. Yeah. This this is all out just screaming, just and I don't off. mean that in a in a you know a, a pejorative way. Like it's just it's good. It's fucking yeah. awesome. You it's know? perfect. It's perfect for this band. Yeah. Perfect for this album. Yep. It's, yeah. Just another thing that makes this album pretty much perfect. Um, hey, see. that's a cool shirt there, Eric. Oh, thanks. Speaking of Carrie King, Carrie King, and that was a Christmas present last year from my son. Nice. I don't even know what I got on. Oh, it's a Army of Darkness. I think I wear this shirt too much. No. <laughs> Not possible. I found this one for twenty bucks. Nice. <laughs> I took a picture of it at the Iron Maiden oh. show. Do you remember That's that? That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. It's like, just wait. I'm going to get a picture. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Um, well, we should probably talk about a little bit about the drums and bass, too. Like, we've been focusing on vocals and guitars. So, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, it's Vince Paul, so the drums are fucking awesome. Um, we could probably get through Rex fairly quickly. <laughs> I mean, I think he's I think he's a perfect bass player for this band. He's a good bass player. He's really good. Yeah. Um, I wish, and I think the remaster is a little better, uh, as far as the, the mixing, which is, I guess it's supposed to be right. Yeah. Um, I think it comes through a little more, it cuts through, but <clears throat> I wish there was a little bit more, uh, bass in the mix, bass guitar. Mm. Cause you, you can only really hear him well when there's a solo going on and they don't do a, a second yeah, guitar. That's true. That's yeah, that's true. Um, and he does cool shit. So it would have been nice to hear him a little bit more. I think that's why I like... I think I said this already. Why I like the next album's production better? Yeah, and he changed his tone up a little. Like like I said, it's 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 just a little flat on this one for me. Yeah, it is a little brighter on the future albums. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, But he's you know he's he's pretty badass for a bass player. He never gets talked about among the great bass players of metal. Probably probably should get talked about more, but um, oh well. He's yeah, in a band. With, he was uh, in a band with Dimebag Daryl, so he's, he's yeah. go, it's like, oh like, yeah. What are you gonna, are you gonna do? <laughs> right. Yeah. You like, couldn't have Les Claypool be in a band with Dimebag Daryl, right? Right. No, so. that would be a little stupid. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> like he's he's Cliff Williams or, or something, you know, in the or 
uh, Pr- Judas Priest's bass player. No. I don't know his name, you know. So he, he's definitely doing cool shit. Yeah. Um, and he does uh, his backing vocals live pretty well, too. Yeah. 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 So he's Here's- a guy. But he's completely overshadowed by everyone else in this band, isn't he? Yeah, a little bit, unfortunately. But I somebody's mean, gotta be, I guess. Be a good good really good gig to have though, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind that. Pretty sweet. <laughs> Get to play with Dimebag every night and Vince Paul. I yeah. don't know how much he contributed to writing, but I would assume some. Um I think yeah, he said well that song Piss that's uh, like a bonus track. Yeah. He said that was his riff. That main oh, riff of that yeah, song okay, was his cool. riff. Yeah. So, so I think I think they all even I think uh, Phil has yeah. I think Phil wrote the main riff of a new level. Yeah, that's what that's what I heard too. He was yeah. humming it. Yeah, the da na 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 that thing. I mean, I he thought, can play guitar um, too. So yeah, he can. No, I, th- I thought um, Dimebag was playing that on a sound check, is what I read. Oh really? Hmm. Yeah. Th- maybe it's Phil had a part of it and Dime had a part of it, and they kind of yeah, because that's blend there's them. Yeah, I have a clip on that too. Once we get to the tracks, I'll play that. But. Sorry, I'm thinking of Walk. You guys, yeah. Oh, oh okay. that's yeah, that's definitely. He was playing that in soundtrack all the time, apparently, and everyone loved it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there'll be a lot to talk about when we get that song. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's um here's Terry Date on Rex and his bass tone. Rex has always uh, been one of my favorite bass players, um, tone wise and performance wise. Uh, he would get mad at me for sometimes. You know, it's hard to get the bass to come through those guitars sometimes but uh rex and i are still good friends and we we talk pretty regularly um and his i i i didn't know how good he really was until a few years after we'd stopped working together and i did a recording with him a separate recording and it kind of blew me away at how good his tone was how how dialed in he was to uh, the nuances of a bass tone, which is very difficult in this kind of music to really have definition because lots of times it's just the low octave of the guitars. So it's hard to get that sound to come out. And he had an amazing ability to make that, uh, to make his, his tone complement and stand out also. Yeah. Like you were saying, Joe, I think you hear that a lot in the solos. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. And, Purposely, I think a lot of times he didn't have rhythm guitar during his solo suit, so that well, be- they could replicate the live sound better too yeah. if they didn't have yeah. a second exactly. guitar. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So drums, drums. drums. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy basically he writes riffs on drums for some of the shit, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the intro to Mouth for War right away. Like that would sound totally different with any other drummer. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would have just been a stupid, like, I don't know, double bass and snare or something. Mm-hmm. He's, he's matching the riff. I think the brothers thing. It's for sure the brothers always, thing. Yeah. Always come back to that with these bands, especially yeah. these guys. Yeah. 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 Just some kind of second nature thing happening where they just sort of know what to yeah. do. And his yeah. stuff's always great to air drum to. Always. Mm hmm. He's uh, it's weird. It's like he doesn't, um, you know, a, a lot of the I gotta say the newer metal, but a lot of these super fast double bass guys nowadays. For I don't know why the fuck they they think that this is the thing to do is just to match the guitar riff, you know, the rhythm, know. the right hand of the guitar. So irritating. It um, yeah. he does it like every so often, but he does it the right amount, and he knows when to just fucking do a kick drum or do something yeah. different, you know. Oh, and the, some of the songs on this album, the groove is so ridiculous, oh, and he's God. providing that groove, that 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 you know, probably the most groove locked in groove metal drummer, yeah, ever, yeah, you know, like regular people that riff and that fucking the double bass, it's just yeah, perfect, <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, he loves the uh, the triplet stuff too, oh, the, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, he loves that. Or or like the quick Tom fills and then a, and then. A, a symbol hit, you know that kind of yeah. stuff. I still have no idea what he's doing at the uh, uh, in in fucking hostile right before the like guitar solo. He does it a few times in that song. Really? He does some drum fill. It's like, why? Why is it easy? I didn't. I mean, I think it's isn't it just a snare and a double bass thing? I don't know. It sounds so good. I don't know. Yeah. What the f- <laughs> I, I yeah. couldn't play it. 
Like, no, I, I don't think I can play it, but I think I know what he's doing. I think it's just a snare, you know, snare thing, a dull bass thing. And, it's, but it's so precise. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he got technically better on later albums. He does stuff on the later albums. Yeah. Like, what? Oh, well, becoming. Oh, like becoming? Yeah. Yeah. I, I finally figured, I finally figured, I can't play it, but I do know what he's doing. I finally know what he's doing there. That's the start. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I know. And I'm like, I, I don't want to practice it. There's, he <laughs> yeah, does right. this thing a couple times, at least a couple times on this album where he's kind of just going along with the hi hat and then you'll hear him like lift his foot. So it'll start to yeah. hit the open eye hat and transition yeah. into that, and it's fucking awesome. He does that. I totally that. stole that later on. Oh, yeah. at, our, at our band, I stole that. <laughs> I think you stole a lot from this guy, Arm. What? No. <laughs> yeah, he does yeah. it in a solo for. Uh, I don't. know. We'll, we'll get to the tracks. I think it. I think it's Rise, maybe. Mm. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it. He does it in this yeah. love also. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we were all inspired by this band. I mean, oh, big time. For those, I mean, four years, it was like. <laughs> like I said before, you know, it was Metallica forever. And, you know, it's, Metallica is still my favorite band. But this is this album came out, like, what, two years after I started really, really focusing on Well, I guess three years I, I started focusing on guitar, on guitar. And, that you know, Dime quickly became my favorite guitar player just because of the, the fucking riffs he was writing and the, mm. the solos he could do that were just fucking... Um, I know melodic and just yeah it was like so yeah immediately this was the guy and this was the guy I wanted to be like so it's a good, weird I was thinking was. about that I was like Metallica was our favorite band and that's like for us it was like that's the top shelf like okay would they go up there but like was Pantera our favorite band for a few years and we just didn't want to admit it? <laughs> Probably. We just didn't, we didn't want to let go. It was like a legacy. Yeah. Or yeah. like we can't cheat on Metallica but right but Jesus we, Christ, we probably wore out Pantera albums at a much faster pace than than well, and also because Metallica wasn't putting out nearly yeah, as much stuff. There's this, yeah, so this it's like how many times can I listen to the Black album and and Injustice or whatever? I'm gonna yeah. get this new Pantera stuff. Yeah, so, and they yeah. were doing stuff with with heavy that we hadn't really heard before. Just the exactly. simple heavy. Yeah. Where well, there was, was like, definitely a bigger oh. influence on us at the time. I mean, that's yeah. when we were writing our, most of our stuff was, yeah. this, you know, this album came out and that was, you know, um, I think, Tim, you would like just started with the band, right? Because. Yeah. 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 Because Joe. I started in 92. Uh, so, yeah. I, I Eric just moved in 92, I think. Yeah. So, yeah it, was, yeah, it was, was 92. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know you come in and it's like, okay, well, what are we listening to? That's, that's the shit we're going to write is going to sound like what we're listening to as with yeah. any other band. So, you know, a lot of our stuff sounded like Pantera. The ending so. has to be slow and heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine where we got that from. No. Yeah. <laughs> and there was uh, also the, there, there was something about these dudes in this band. Like they just fucking looked metal and grimy. Yeah. yeah, and their shows were so much fun. Like oh, yeah. back to that bootleg, it's like it just took me back to that moment. Yeah. And like, God, it, it was just their shows were amazing, and they, they always were explosive. Were, yeah, and they were always yeah. they were always different. You know, yeah, like, it was just loose. It yeah, wasn't this rehearsed exactly. thing, or it wasn't like okay, we have to do this song and this song and say. Th it was all just like it wasn't like meet up with Mustaine in the middle and headbanging. No, and it was none of that. Yeah. None of that bullshit. It was just uh. like Phil's just going to say what he says. They're going to play these songs. They're going to just kick ass. You're going to yeah. be drunk. And there yeah, were no theatrics. There was no pyro. No. There was nothing special. It was just, no, them just a wall of ass. ass. Yeah. 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 Fucking yeah. awesome. God. I saw them in, in, when I lived in Utah. I saw them them in Anthrax and Coal Chamber. But uh, that's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Anthrax came out and played like half of Among the Living to open the show. <laughs> oh. I was like, this is blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. Anthrax is another band like that too. They just yeah. go out and have fun on stage. Yeah. You know, there's no yeah. big fucking bullshit. No, no. yeah, they're Those, really good. These guys go, it. they go well together. Actually, yeah, they do. It was a great. Actually, show. he's on. Oh, what, he's on like two of their albums. Four. Four. Oh, more than that. Oh, I know yeah, that. Like yeah. three or four. Yeah. Actually, the Anthrax version of John of John Bush is kind of uh, a similar vocal style to Phil, in that. In that yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true. On those albums, those Anthrax. That's albums. true. Yeah. 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 Has that gruff, you know. It's got the manly sound. Yeah. Manly singing. Not Dio. Not Dio <laughs> or Dickinson. That bullshit. 
<laughs> yeah, Dickinson sucks. <laughs> um, there's a couple more clips I want to play. This is about the drums and bass um, specifically, I think. Oh, that's sorry. This is Mike Portnoy. Yeah, Mike Ooh. Portnoy. Mike Portnoy. He's in the Dream. He was in Dream Theater. Yeah. <clears throat> Vinny's drumming, I remember, was just totally uh, influential for me at that time. He used, would tape like silver dollars on his kick drums with with like a wooden beater and stuff. So I remember I tried that for a little while too. Rex on the bass, yeah. it just it just warmed it out nicely. He had an amazing ability to make his his tone complement and stand out. Also, they had shred. They had Phil as the angry singer, and then they had this groove swagger. So they had three really key components that kind of changed the course of where heavy metal went. Every single band that exists today has, has some sort of influence by Pantera. You won't even listen to it 10 years from now and be like, it, it sounds kind of old. It doesn't. It even still sounds really modern. You know, there's albums like that. You know, you have Back in Black, Van Halen 1, and Vulgar Display is definitely one of those type of albums. It's just an absolute classic from start to finish. A perfect album. Yep. And it is. It's better than those other two albums. <laughs> Which the... Van Halen. Van Halen and ACDC. Oh, oh, those, the yeah. water. oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Might be because we like this band more. It's probably just like our opinion, man. Well. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's the whole premise of this fucking show. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Listen to these four nerds talk about bands they like. <laughs> Hey, there's some yeah. bands we don't like. And on. sometimes don't like. Yeah. Or albums. Did that, that's right. They did really push metal in a different direction. Man, yeah. That, that was a shift. That whole groove thing just kind of took over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. And they, I mean, it sounds really cheesy to say this, but they, they did kind of keep metal alive in the 90s. Like, they were flying the flag of metal for throughout the 90s. I mean, and they... You know, as annoying as it could be sometimes with Phil, the whole pride thing. Like, he was like, we're flying the flag, we're, we're metal and we're proud, that kind of stuff. Like, so. Um, yeah, they did not have a black album, did they? They got they got their other stuff done with, like, their experimental phase out of the oh, way. The know, glam thing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to equate that with the black album. I'm just saying they. they yeah, I gotcha. Like, as soon as after Cowboys. And then this, and they were just, Pantera was that sound yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about Far Beyond Driven in a couple of years, but they got even heavier somehow. Oh yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's a weird thing too. Cause it's really, it's a, it's a 10 year run. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. In terms yeah. of album like releases. The, yeah. Just well, almost like the Beatles, right? Just, <laughs> just this short little, well, not, not quite as prolific, but you know, yeah. just this quick, small, yeah, snippet of time of, of all their music. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think like ten years isn't very long. No, 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 no. Um, do you have more clips, or do you want to wait for Keith to get back to going to the tracks? Or uh, there's one more clip I wanted to play okay. about the vocals while we were, you know, maybe we can edit this in post when we were talking about the vocals. But this is kind of a funny clip. This is a. Uh, Mike Portnoy and Gene Hoagland talking about Phil's vocals. Now you listen to it and it sounds like it's, you know, it's common. Everybody, you know, all the metal bands kind of sound like that. But at the time, those were like pretty brutal vocals. I watched every single vocalist shave their head, take their shirts off and wear those khaki half cut off military pants. Even Rob Halford turned into Phil Anselmo's look. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Yeah. The fight was... Basically a Pantera wannabe. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, <laughs> that band. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I think I think Mike Portnoy and Tommy Victor must be the, from the same part of New York. Cause, Gotta be. God, those they, they sound exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. By this record. <laughs> uh, and then there's another clip I want to play about. I think this is Zach Wild <clears throat> talking about Dime. I mean, we haven't. We could, I could talk about, I could do two hours on just talking about Dimebag Daryl, but do it. Uh, this is uh, Zach Wild. I think mostly Zach. There's a couple other people I think in this, but talking about Dime's legacy. Dime's legacy is a guitar. It, it's pretty much right there with Tony Iommi in regards of he's the king of that genre of extreme metal and you know the power groove and all that stuff. He was uh, you know breaking 
all the ground and he was, you know, the next guitar hero. You had, you know, Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes, Dimebag. He was just the next in line for uh, metal guitar heroes. And I don't know if anybody's come close since. One of the things people don't know about Dime, he had a guitar in his bathroom. I went in his bathroom one time. I sat down. I was like, he's got a guitar and he's got his little tape. What's that doing in here? I said, Dime, what's the deal with a guitar in the bathroom? He goes, man, that's where I write all my wrists. That's why my wrists are the shit. Every time I think of Pantera, I think of Dime. I don't feel the spirit of Dimebag ever leaves you. And once you knew Dime, he's with you forever. That was Frank Bellow. Yeah. You can't tell. He sounds like Mike Portnoy. Portnoy. <laughs> oh, these New Yorkers. New Yorkers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even uh, Zach Wilds, he's, a, he's, he's Jersey, right? I think he so. He sounds a little different. I think he's Jersey. Close. Is yeah, he Germany? I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know there's all French. sorts of like virtuoso guitar players out there these days. And like, you know, like I'm sure they're all great, but. No one's touched dime. I don't think. I mean, I was, you know, I was trying to think like who would be, I, I don't know. I, There's a really good, um, the way in this, in this book, um, this magazine, I should say, this, uh, Vince Paul has a quote and it was perfect what he said. Let me see if I can find it. I took a picture of actually. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Vince Paul says, I think the sound Dime had and the style back then was untouchable. He played with a lot of taste, a lot of heart. He wasn't one of those dudes that just wanted to go fast or make noise. He had soul and he felt uh, and he felt like he could play solos that were like a song within a song. That's perfect. I think that's exactly what yeah. I, that, how I've always wanted to like verbalize the way I feel about Dime is like those solos are like a song within a song because they have their own melody like he writes these kick-ass riffs or really melodic riffs and then he has on top of that these like like vince was saying like a, a song within a song it's really a really good way to put it yeah because there's a lot of people who you can you know like who could be guitar heroes i mean there's mustaine there's hammett there's skullnick there's a lot of guys yeah and they're all but, great guitar players i mean you know the shit they do, they do is incredible i can't could, could never replicate that, but I don't know. It just doesn't have the feel. There is something different. Bigger than about, life. Yeah. There's something different about um, Dimebag and his playing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm just, I'm not just saying that because he's dead. I don't think any of us are. Like, no, absolutely. We not. knew it at the time, too. Oh, yeah. He had his own sound, his yeah. riffs. There's no, well, there's probably copycat bands, but the, their stuff didn't sound like anyone else. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean the, the the noises he was making with the guitar, those squeals and the, yeah. the shit that he came up with is just unreal, you know. All right, that concludes part one of our vulgar display of power episode. In part two, Keith will come back and we will go through the album track by track. We'll get into a little bit of listener feedback and then we'll give our fairly obvious grades on this album. So stay tuned. Part two is coming soon. Sorry for the cursing. I tend to curse. I say stupid things. Energy. Energy. Aggression. Power. To sum it up, it's a vulgar display of power. Sometimes I think you break just a little too much, flies. I'm sorry. I'm going to be a blood-aholic anonymous. Cutting up. Cutting up big time. They are miserable slaves of Satan. Look out! Some country coding, is <laughs> <laughs>